0: Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. And we'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Kerry Martin.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, and we've got another great podcast lined up for you this week. As usual, we'll kick it off with news headlines, then we'll talk with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain, in our grassroots government segment. We go out in the field to talk with one of you. We'll visit with Ryan Yerby. He is a diversified farmer in central Louisiana in Grant Parish, just north of Alexandria, right off the Red River. He is very busy right now trying to get a crop in the ground. We'll be talking to him from his tractor as he's rolling through the field. Greg Fox will join us to talk about the grain markets, and we talk about the cattle markets with Daryl Peel. He's a livestock marketing economist at Oklahoma State University. We talk with him from the Northwest Louisiana Beef and Forage Field Day in Homer, where he was giving a presentation. So a great lineup for you today, but before we get started, I wanted to ask you to do one thing, and that is subscribe to our podcast through either Apple iTunes or through the Google Play Store. It did take a little while to get that set up. Uh, They've got a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get that going with both iTunes and Google Play, but if you're an iPhone user, use the podcast app on your phone. Search for Voice of Louisiana Agriculture. You'll find the podcast and you can subscribe to it there. If you're an Android user, use the Google Music app and search for Voice of Louisiana Agriculture there. You can subscribe to it as well. So whichever phone you use, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast that way, it will download automatically each week, and you'll never miss an episode. We found over the last couple of weeks that most people have been streaming the podcast through our website and several through SoundCloud as well. We'll still have those options available. But, of course, if you're like me, you listen to most things on your phone. So we have that option available through iTunes and Google Play, and I encourage you to go do that. That way, you never miss an episode. Now let's get things rolling with news headlines.
0: Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: Louisiana agriculture took a big hit in the budget passed by the State House of Representatives last week. Louisiana Farm Bureau's Jim Monroe.
2: There was a lot of controversy about the bill. It is short on funding for a number of issues, primarily from our concern is the LSU Ag Center and the Louisiana Department of Agriculture.
1: The budget passed the House by a vote of 55 to 47 and now heads over to the state Senate.
2: We hope that we'll be able to restore some of that funding in the Senate, and uh, we will be working on that uh, over the next few weeks.
1: Monroe says this week Farm Bureau is keeping an eye on a bill that concerns licensing of trucks that haul agricultural products. Cool temperatures and rain are continuing to slow the pace of planting the 2018 Louisiana sorghum and soybean crops. Both are lagging behind the five-year average pace, according to the latest Louisiana Crop Progress and Condition Report. As of Monday, we're showing 40% of the state's sorghum crop is planted. That's behind the 69% five-year average. Soybeans are now 26% planted, that's about 5 points behind the 31% 5-year average. Corn planting wrapping up at 99%, rice planting now at the 90% mark. Sugarcane crop ratings were showing 6% of the crop in the excellent category, 39% of the cane rated good, 50% rated fair, and 5% rated poor. The winter wheat crop is getting closer to harvest, 92% of the crop now headed. Winter wheat ratings show 3% in the excellent category, 40% rated good, 47% fair, and 10% rated poor. The 2018 Farm Bill was passed by the House Agriculture Committee last week and now goes to the full House for a vote sometime next month. Louisiana farmer Matthew Gravois says it's important that Congress has a farm bill in place this year.
3: It is important for us to have a farm bill passed because it provides us with a safety net to be able to farm.
1: But food and nutrition programs make up 80% of the farm bill, and that tends to be the most controversial part of the farm bill debate. Louisiana Farm Bureau's Kyle McCann says that could definitely cause delays. Politically, the way things fall out in D.C., that could push things off and cause there to be even a further delay in the farm bill development. House Ag Committee Chairman Mike Conaway says the farm bill should be debated in the full House in early May. Farm labor is a constant struggle for Louisiana farmers. Cody Bieber is a crawfish and rice farmer in Mamou, and he runs his own crawfish processing facility. Both operations are dependent on migrant labor. We employ 80 H-2B workers, which is very important that we keep H-2B workers.
3: We also employ about 26 H-2A workers, which those are the ones that actually go out and do the crawfishing and stuff. The H-2B workers is the ones that do the processing. It's getting pretty tight on the H-2B side with the cap. It would really help if the returning workers wouldn't count
1: against the cap and we could get our workers pretty easy. Bieber says crawfish production is still very good on his farm, but both demand and prices have fallen since Easter. There's still time for Louisiana farmers and ranchers to turn in their senses of agriculture. Avery Davidson has more.
4: Carrie, I'm speaking with Kathy Broussard. She's the new Louisiana State Statistician for the National Agriculture Statistics Service. Kathy, you're trying to get Louisiana farmers to fill out their Census of Agriculture forms. Why is it important that Louisiana farmers participate in the census?
5: Well, we need to measure what's going on in Louisiana's agriculture. And because we do this every five years, it allows us to see the changes in the infrastructure and what's going on. For instance, we have the interest in the farm-to-table that's gotten lots of interest. So we need to be able to quantify that and to be able to tell people what's going on. The other reason is we have a farm bill that's being negotiated. So we need to make sure that the people that make the decisions have the information. They need to make the right decisions.
4: What kind of information are you looking for when you conduct the census of agriculture?
5: Well, for the census, what we're looking for is the broad production, what's going on. But we're also looking at the unusual crops. We may catch the worm farmer, or we may find out who's growing kale in Louisiana. And we're also trying to find out the demographics. Of who, what do our farmers look like? Where are they located? What's their background? Our farmers are 58 years old, according to the last census. So now we want to figure out what the new face of Louisiana agriculture looks like.
4: Why should consumers care about the census and how does it affect consumers as a whole?
5: From a consumer standpoint, you want to be able to know what's going on in your area. You want to be able to know that the, the farmers are supported and that they are bringing the good quality products to the market. You know, And as a consumer, that's what you're picking up off the grocery store. Louisiana has a great program. Uh, Louisiana certified, and so we want to make sure that we know what's being grown so we can support those programs.
4: I understand you're trying to oversample this year. Why are you doing that, and why is that important?
5: When we mail out a census, we usually mail to more than our traditional farmers. We're reaching out to people who have the potential to be a farm, and what we want to do is identify who those new people are. So if you're just a landlord, we need to hear back from you anyway. Tell us you're a landlord. If you're just enrolled in conservation programs, send us that back as well. And if you get, got a, a questionnaire by mistake, mail it back and tell us it was a mistake. It's important that we hear back from everybody.
4: Thanks, Kathy. She is Louisiana State Statistician Kathy Broussard. I'm Avery Davidson for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: And that is a look at some of the latest ag news headlines in Louisiana this week. Remember, you can always find the latest news in Louisiana agriculture on our website, Voice of Agriculture.org or Voice of LAAG.org. We update that every weekday with the latest news. Also, remember to subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. We'll bring you the latest news in Louisiana agriculture right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. There's a big button right there on the homepage of the website you can subscribe to. Coming up next, we go to the halls of government to talk with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Grassroots Government is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
6: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture
1: podcast. In our Grassroots Government segment this week, we talk with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Commissioner, thanks so much for joining us on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
3: Thank you, and good morning. How are you?
1: Doing great. Hey, I wanted to talk to you first about the legislature. What has been going on in the Louisiana State Legislature for you? I know that the House has passed their budget and sent it over to the Senate, And I was curious, did that budget have a lot of cuts for your department in it?
3: Yes. As the bill left the House and is going to the Senate, it further reduces my state general fund by 24.2%. It funds the Agricultural Finance Authority at $0. If you take these cuts along with the cuts over the last 10 years, that will reduce my state general fund by over 65%. So it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of cuts in the bill. Also, as the bill moves to the Senate, the TOPS is funded at 80 percent, by our hospitals are funded at about 10 percent. And so we know that at the end of the day, that bill is not going to pass all the way through the system. But the question is, how do they fix it without additional revenues? The, the bottom line is, uh, because the penny sales tax falls off on July one uh this bill even with the increasing economy is still about 650 million dollars out of balance and if you look at the matching federal money it pushes it towards that 750 to 800 million dollar problem and so the question is can the senate find a way to balance it but the bottom line is where are those dollars are going to come from
1: commissioner there has been a move to undedicate some funds from departments like yours and move that money into the general fund. I know you testified on behalf of your department trying to protect some of those agricultural dedicated funds. Tell me about that situation.
3: One of the bills would have uh, undedicated about $350 million of dedicated funds, including the tobacco taxes, uh, which is over $100 million. Also, it would have taken and undedicated the Agricultural Finance Authority uh, those revenues that are now flowing into the department, and also our pesticide fund. When you look at these undedications, you know, the discussion is, you know, will this money be available for use? Well, the answer is no because they're already committed to other purposes. But undedicating them allows them to be treated as general fund dollars and then further reduce those areas where those funds, and they were passed for that specific purpose, you know, further reduces where those funds uh, are entitled to go. And you know, if we look at ours, you know, with the finance authority, and again, we were our budget moving forward. On if you look at our ten-year budget, our state general funds already been reduced sixty-four percent, and then to remove an additional twelve million dollars, we only have thirteen million dollars total in state general fund that is available to spend. Total is what is left. Uh, That is not that is what's called discretionary, and so we're having a lot of discussion about that. We were able to take the Agriculture Finance Authority and those tobacco monies out of that undedication. And now that bill is sitting with about $100-plus plus million of undedications. Um, but again, when, when I was in the legislature, if you needed to fund something, then when you passed a specific tax, you worked with the industry or whoever was going to pay for it, and you dedicated that to the purpose for which you raised the tax. And now you see there's a, a discussion looking at passing a dedicated tax for higher education. And so at the same time, they're undedicating taxes. They're trying to dedicate taxes. So it is uh, pretty intense here. Things are moving very, very quickly. There's a lot of discussion, but still we don't have resolution on balancing the budget of the state.
1: Well, Commissioner, let's switch gears and talk about some federal legislation. The House Agriculture Committee has passed their version of the 2018 Farm Bill, and it's awaiting full floor action in the house uh, based on what you have seen from the farm bill so far do you think this is a good bill for louisiana farmers and ranchers
3: i think so we need to have a farm bill out we need to g- keep it in motion we need to make sure that our risk management our tools are there we need to make sure that the sugar program stays in place i'm glad that we've done some things moving forward dealing with cotton you know as we've changed the way cotton is, is handled we're also moving forward to to help with the dairy operations, the Dairy Risk Management Program. When you look at overall the farm bill, we really need to work on this hard because, as you know, oftentimes, even though we try to get the 2018 farm bill out in 2018, it may end up in 2019. And, of course, now the farm bill uh, hopefully will not become hostage to an internal debate uh, that separating uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, on the. On, and it's basically, if you look at the SNAP issue, you know, the work requirements SNAP, snapping that. And hopefully, you know, the commodity title doesn't get held hostage uh, as those debates go on. And as you know, uh, the Farm Bill passed out of committee uh, only with the Republican votes and without a single Democratic vote. And, of course, always to pass the Farm Bill, we've had a bipartisan Farm Bill. And so we're going to be watching that very, very, very closely. And also remember, uh, there's a move, too, to strip additional funds. From the Farm Bill. And the Farm Bill sets the parameters for the largest industry in America. And we export 20% of the food that's exported worldwide comes from America. And one in three acres of our production is exported, bringing in hard cash to America. This Farm Bill is critical for sustainability, for an environment, for conservation. It's important. We have the risk management tools it sets up a lot of the parameters by which we operate the largest industry in Louisiana and in
1: America. Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. Thanks so much for the time, Commissioner. Thank you. Coming up next, we go in the field to talk with one of you on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
6: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture
0: we're taking you to the fields of louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the voice of louisiana agriculture podcast
1: we go in the field to central Louisiana to talk with Ryan Yerby. He's a diversified farmer in Grant Parish, just north of Alexandria, right there along the Red River. Ryan, I know you are putting in some seriously long hours right now, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us.
7: Hey, no problem, Gary. Happy to speak with you today. I'm coming to you from my field office right here in the sprayer right now.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about that. I know it's uh, it's been a hectic spring for you, and... It didn't really start out all that great when we had all of that flooding. How, did you have some ground go under during that flooding this spring?
7: Uh, yeah, Terry, we did. Uh, we had some backwater flooding. uh came from the, the bayous around us and, and the Red River. Luckily, it wasn't as bad as it was in '16. We were spared a little bit from that, but we still did have some flooding, backwater, and lost a lot of time on getting ground prepared. So we're still trying to get ground prepared right now while we're planting.
1: I guess at least this time you didn't have a crop go under like you had before.
7: No, we did not We did not have a crop go under last time. Uh, that, that's another thing. But the, the abundance of rain that we got this spring, it kind of pushed our, our corn plant dates back a few weeks. So I guess that was another blessing in disguise that we didn't have a corn crop in the ground.
1: Let's talk a little bit about that corn crop. Uh, were you able to get everything in, all the acreage in that you wanted in this spring?
7: Uh, actually, no, we weren't. Uh, I, I'm going to say we cut our uh, projected acreage by roughly about 30 uh, percent just because we couldn't get the ground prepared and we couldn't get to some of the ground because of the, uh, the flood.
1: Is that acreage now going to switch into beans?
7: Uh, yeah we're transitioning that over into soybeans right now. Just seems to be the best bang for our buck.
1: As far as the corn goes is everything up and looking good right now Ryan?
7: Uh, some of it is. Uh, I'm going to say 70 percent of it is off and running. The problem we had was again the the, the late rains and these cold snaps that we got. Uh, we had that last 20%, got planted two days before, we got eight inches of rain on top of it, and the temperature dropped to 38 degrees. So, like many of our neighbors, we had replants and kind of weak stands, but it is what it is. We're going we're gonna to muscle through it.
1: How many acres do you think you had to replant?
7: Uh, We probably had to replant, Uh, I'm going to say, roughly about 150 acres.
1: I know you have been rolling usually since before daylight and well after dark here the last few weeks, getting that soybean crop in the ground. How are things going with the beans so far?
7: Uh, So far, so good. We've got pretty good soil conditions right now. Uh, Luckily, we were able to get some of our ground prepared this fall. The weather's been real nice to us. The soil conditions are perfect. So other than your usual breakdowns that you're going to have on any farming operation, uh, we're rolling right along. Got two planters running and me trying to keep up with them with the sprayer. So I'm going to say so far our, our soybean planting is going pretty well.
1: Outside of corn and beans, Ryan, are you putting anything else in the ground this spring?
7: Uh, looks like that's going to be our main crops this year. Uh, our feelings just aren't there on the cotton market and, uh, the Milo market's not there. So we're going to stick with the corn and soybean rotation again this year, looking at the past, looking at the future. That seems to be where we're going to get the most bang for our buck.
1: Ryan, I know you also have a couple of other crops on your farm. You grow pecans and cattle first. Tell me about how the pecan crop has been over the last year.
7: Last year's pecan crop was pretty horrible, actually. Poor pollination. Early on, uh, we had a pretty low yielded crop on our uh, selected uh, pecans on our desirables. We had bad problems with scab. Uh, our little small natives did well, but our, our large grafted pecans not so much so we lost a a huge portion of our pecan crop just just due to them not filling out just not poor quality
1: Uh, how did the cattle do through this winter it was a tough one Uh, did you have enough hay to get you through and were your cattle able to to keep their condition
7: yeah it was pretty tough i mean naturally they pulled down a little bit so we start calving in november and we'll calve through january so naturally when they're calving in all this wonderful weather and ice and whatnot that, that makes it a little bit hard on them but we did have a pretty good hay crop this year so we had we had a lot of hay in the barn so we were able to keep them fat and happy and keep their bellies full luckily we didn't have any calf losses this winter the cattle held on pretty well we've got good grass right now that's one thing about these rains uh, we've got really good grass right now good clover so cows are out there grazing fat and happy
1: Well, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking some time. You be careful out there on that tractor on these late nights, okay?
7: Hey, no problem, King. Always a pleasure to talk to
1: you. In the field with Grant Parish farmer Ryan Yerby. Coming up next, we'll dive deep into both the grain and livestock markets with Greg Fox, Mark Tall, and Dr. Daryl Peel, right after this on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
6: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation. So while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests. So join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture
1: podcast. To talk about the markets, we go to Greg Fox. He's a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. And Greg, let's talk about the soybean market. As we're talking here on Friday, we're seeing some really strong gains in soybeans. Any idea what's behind that?
8: It could be a number of things. Typically, we don't see you know, such a big day on a Friday unless the newswires are really lighting up. But we had a light week all week. Uh, yesterday, export numbers were below expectations, so a little surprised to see the strength there. Funds jumping into these markets pretty heavy as well when you see little farmer activity in the markets. Also, Argentina, you know, a lot of talk there about the damage to the dock. Uh, Terminal 6, I believe it was, one of their higher-producing terminals. So some concerns there is they're going to have to get that repaired um, before they can get back into some of their larger shipments. So would expect to see some of those shipments either move to Brazil or possibly move to the US. So you could start to see some chatter as far as for more exports because of that.
1: When we look at the corn market, Greg, what kind of week have we seen there?
8: About the same. It's been weak, a little more on the downside on corn, but it's you know down slightly, two, three cents. You know, we haven't seen a big fallout on the corn. But unfortunately when you see it turn around, you're only seeing it pick up two or three cents. So It loses a little, then picks it up. Argentina and Brazil, there's some concerns about their crop size on the corn side. Um, They're catching some rain this weekend, so there was a lot of talk about some dryness, and that was going to impact the corn yields there. Um, But we just need to see the supplies used up. And with China using the tariffs on the Milo and auctioning off some of their reserves, we've seen a lot of reserves go there. Um, So they're trying to use up their internal stuff, so you're not seeing the big export demand from China on the corn side.
1: Here in the U.S., Greg, I know these markets move off of what happens in the Midwest. Any update, any news on planting progress in the Midwest?
8: Uh, We'll see that on Monday. Um, This past Monday, it was pretty small, about 5%, kind of right along with the five-year average. A little bit behind when you look at what was planted last year on the corn sign, but nobody was really concerned. Um, Weather should have been beneficial for them this week, so wouldn't be surprised to see Monday a 20 25% planted mark on the corn in the Midwest. Beans we should see, you know, 10 15% planted. They get some dry weather. They can get a lot of grain in the ground in a hurry. So if we see a big week, big number on Monday, then I would expect these markets to maybe settle down just a little bit as planting back on pace and everything's kind of where they want it to be.
1: Greg, we've seen some pretty big swings in the wheat market this week. I can only assume that's based on weather, rains up in the big wheat-producing areas of Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas.
8: Yeah, too wet, too dry. You've seen it kind of all over the place. Wheat condition scores weren't very strong as well. I think there might be some concerns there as far as for the quality of that crop, which I think could be beneficial for the few Louisiana farmers uh, out there. You know, the five-year average was about 44% good to excellent, and Monday's report showed the wheat crop at 31% good to excellent. So there's definitely some concerns with the quality, Uh, so hopefully that will help keep this wheat market up higher and and maybe even see that basis level firm up some and help uh, what few farmers in Louisiana have
1: wheat. That's Greg Fox. He is a grain marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, thanks so much for joining us on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
8: Oh, anytime. Thank you.
1: Now from Greg Fox over to his colleague, Mark Tall. Mark is a rice marketing specialist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. We caught up with Mark earlier in the week, and he gave us an update on the rice market.
8: Well, the futures market on oil crop May has really traded up in a gradual climb. It would not really surprise me to see us really break the previous high of 1321.5 at some point. If realized, then a new support level is born. Everyone really knows or are very aware that uh, how sure we are on the 2017 crop. And they could very well be the uh, driving force of the market as well, as cooler temperatures also was holding back growing conditions as well. Also, we had an issue with wind. That played its part as well, sending water to one side of the field and stretching rice. We don't really see any reason why it would completely change things. The end result should be fine. Just a delay in harvest would be all. Cash prices are still firm and steady for old and new crop.
1: Looking at our closing prices on Friday, the soybean market did finish sharply higher. May soybeans up 17 cents, 1045. November beans up 13 and three quarters, 1047. The corn market closed higher. May corn up three and a half, 389 and a half. New crop September corn up three and a quarter, 405 and a half. July wheat was up nine cents to close the week at 498 and a half. A higher close in rough rice with May up 10 cents 1281, September rice up 9 at 122200. The cotton market closed higher, July up 34 points 8451, December cotton up 31, closing at 79.27 cents. July sugar up to 2482. And to talk about the cattle market today, we go up to Homer, Louisiana, and we're going to talk with Daryl Peel. He's a livestock marketing economist with Oklahoma State University. Daryl, you're in Louisiana at the Hill Farm Northwest Louisiana Beef and Forage Field Day today. I understand you're giving a presentation there. How are things up in Homer?
2: looking pretty good up here it's nice and green at least compared to some points farther west Uh, it's a little cooler today i think than many folks were expecting and but it's a nice day
1: daryl before we get started talking about the cattle market and some things that are going on up there today i wanted to talk about things back home for you real quick of course our hearts go out to all of the cattlemen up in oklahoma who have dealt with these awful wildfires Can you give us an update on what's going on up there right now? Are the fires contained? And do we have any idea on what kind of losses cattlemen have sustained up there in Oklahoma?
2: Well, fortunately, we do have the fires finally contained. Uh, Last weekend in western Oklahoma, northwestern Oklahoma, we finally got some significant rain. We got a bit more here just in the last couple of days. And so those fires finally are under control Obviously, we burned nearly 400,000 acres, I think, when you add them all together. You know, the numbers are very fluid in terms of losses, uh, uh, and I have not been able to sort of check uh, very recently, but, you know, we're looking at uh, somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 head of cattle, it looks like. Uh, obviously, uh, lots of uh, loss of forage, fences, and unfortunately, a lot of homes as well. So lots of families are not only dealing with the, uh, the business impacts of this, but also the very personal impacts of losing their, their homes as well.
1: Uh, just awful. We, we we sure hate to hear that. And again, our hearts go out to your guys up there in Oklahoma. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Louisiana today. As we mentioned, you're there for the uh, field day at the Hill Farm Research Station in Homer. You're going to give a presentation to Louisiana cattlemen about the cattle market. You and I have talked about the cattle market many, many times over the last uh, 20, 25 years. And I wanted to get a little bit of a preview on what you're going to tell Louisiana cattlemen today.
2: Well, we're going to give an update on the on the cattle markets., uh, you know it's it's been a very dynamic situation. Um, For quite a few months now, but I think more so in the last uh, few weeks, I've talked about the fact that the cattle markets themselves, if you sort of look at the market fundamentals, uh, you know, we can talk about the supply side, the demand side, uh, and what sort of challenges are there and, and opportunities are there. The real thing that's, I think, an issue for the cattle industry and many other markets is just the fact that we're operating in a very uncertain environment from a macroeconomic standpoint, from a global market standpoint. Obviously, we've got a lot of policy questions up in the air right now uh at that level and i think that's the the biggest source of uncertainty and probably the biggest potential source of a shock that would affect the cattle markets we just don't know what's going to happen and how these things are going to play out as we go forward
1: daryl we had a cattle on feed report released last week i read an analysis that you did of it uh overall those cattle on feed numbers were about as expected With a big number of cattle in feedlots right now and a lower number of placements and marketings, what does that mean for a Louisiana cow-calf producer?
2: Well, you know, as this situation has evolved over the last several months, and and again, it really builds on the fact that we've been in herd expansion mode in this industry since 2014. We've seen those calf crops get bigger every year, 2015, 2016, 2017. So we have more uh, feeder cattle in the pipeline right now. They're going to go into the feedlots, and uh, they're going to show up as, in general, as increased placements. And we had that uh, for several months there that built those feedlot inventories up a little bit. However, uh, because of the drought situation out in the, in, in, in the West, um, some of those calves that would have overwintered on wheat actually went into the feedlot earlier in November and December due to lack of grazing potential. And uh, so we've kind of built up those feedlot numbers uh, a little bit artificially, if you will, or a little sooner than expected. And that's why we saw this drop in placements in the most recent cattle on feed report. Uh, there just aren't those cattle out there immediately that would normally would be there because they're already in the feedlots. And so, uh, you know, we've changed the timing of things a little bit with the cattle flow uh, into and out of the feedlots. Uh, but overall, uh, we just know that we're dealing with a few more cattle and, and that's going to lead to an increase in beef production again here in 2018.
1: Darrell, I'm going to ask you to uh, look into your crystal ball, if you would. Most of our cow-calf producers here in Louisiana market calves in the fall. What kind of market do you think we're looking at this year for fall-marketed calves?
2: Well, you know, let me re- relate it to 2017 a little bit. 2017, we had an increase in bee production. We had those bigger numbers we just talked about, and yet 2017 was, uh, we've, we've described it many times as a pleasant surprise, and, and what we found was that the demand uh, for beef trickled down through the system and uh, and supported cattle prices uh, at a level better than expected, given that we had an increase in supply. That's important because we're kind of in the same setup again here in 2018. We're going to see bigger beef production, bigger numbers of cattle, and that suggests pressure on prices. And So we're really watching demand to see how much pressure that is. Uh, if the demand holds We don't have to see a lot of pressure. And that's kind of what we're looking at right now is another mostly sideways kind of year with some potential uh, with a bigger 2018 calf crop hitting the ground. Uh, We might see a little more pressure towards the end of the year, but we're not looking for uh, anything excessive there. Unless we have some problems on the demand side that really takes the whole complex down.
1: Daryl Peel, he's a livestock marketing economist with Oklahoma State University, joining us from the Northwest Louisiana Beef and Forage Field Day in Homer. Daryl, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
2: Happy to do it anytime.
1: Now let's take a quick look at our Louisiana livestock auction results from this week. We start with the Kinder Livestock Auction, Kinder, Louisiana. Two to three weight steers brought a dollar fifty-five to two twenty a pound. Three to four weight steers, a dollar forty to a dollar ninety. Four to five hundred pounders, a dollar thirty to a dollar seventy-five. Five to six weight steers, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar sixty a pound. With six to seven hundred pounders bringing a dollar twenty to a dollar forty-five, bred cows range from five hundred dollars to sixteen hundred a head. cow calf pairs brought seven hundred to two thousand a pair. Then on Wednesday at the Red River Livestock Auction, Kosha, Louisiana, two to three hundred pound steers brought a dollar fifty-two to a dollar eighty-five. Three to four weight steers, a dollar forty-five to two o five. Four to five hundred pounders range from a dollar fifty to a dollar ninety-one a pound. 5-6 to six weight steers $1.45 to $1.75, 6-700 pounders $1.37 to $1.58 a pound. Cows range from a low of $400 to a high of 1150 a head. Cow-calf pairs brought $9.25 to $1,480 a pair. That is a look at markets for this week. Coming up next, we take a peek at the Louisiana Ag Calendar on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
6: This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau has been working for Louisiana's farmers and ranchers since 1922, and that work continues today. If you're a farmer or rancher, Farm Bureau wants you to join and be a part of their family. Farm Bureau knows you're busy running your operation, so while you're at work on your farm or ranch, Farm Bureau is watching out for your interests, so join today. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's
1: take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. Only one event to talk about on the Ag Calendar, and that's coming up on Tuesday, May the 1st. It's not really an event, it's a deadline. It's the deadline for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's convention forms. Of course, the Louisiana Farm Bureau holds the largest farm gathering in Louisiana. It's coming up on June 21st through the 24th, at the marriott hotel in new orleans however if you're planning on attending that convention if you're a parish farm bureau that has forms to fill out you need to get all of those in on tuesday may 1st that is the deadline for the convention forums well that puts the wraps on yet another voice of louisiana agriculture podcast i really appreciate you joining us we'll be back again next week and of course in the meantime We always encourage you to connect with us online. Our website, voiceoflaag.org. You can subscribe to our daily e-newsletter right there. A big subscribe button on the homepage. It's called The Daily Voice. We bring you the latest Louisiana agriculture news right to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. You can also connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter, at voiceoflaag. We update both of those each day with the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. And once again, don't forget to go to iTunes and the Google Play Store and subscribe to our podcast. That way it gets downloaded to your phone automatically each week when a new episode is posted. We'll see you right back here next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.